Good morning. I'm reading Revelation 7, 9 to 17 from the easy to read version. Then I looked and there was a large crowd of people. There were so many people that no one could count them all. They were from every nation, tribe, race of people and language of the earth. They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They all wore white robes and had palm branches in their hands. They shouted loudly, Victory belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The elders and the four living beings were there. All the angels were standing around them and the throne. The angels bowed down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. They said, Amen, praise, glory, wisdom, thanks, honour, power and strength belong to our God for ever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, Who are these people in white robes? Where did they come from? I answered, You know who they are, sir. And the elders said, these are the ones who have come out of the great suffering. They have washed their robes with the blood of the Lamb, and they are clean and white. So now these people are before the throne of God. They worship God day and night in his temple, and the one who sits on the throne will protect them. They will never be hungry again. They will never be thirsty again. The sun will not hurt them. No heat will burn them. The lamb in front of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of water that give life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Let's pray. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity now to think a little further about going to the ends of the earth with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that as we consider uh, mission in the 20th century, that in fact uh, you would open our hearts to what you have to say to us and that indeed we might honour and glorify you as we think about these things. We ask it for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen. Well, I'm sure you've seen those inspirational quotes which encourage you to get out and do something different, something strange perhaps, something that you wouldn't normally do. We call it getting out of our comfort zone, don't we? You know, getting out of our routine actually takes a lot of effort, doesn't it? There's an article by Alan Henry in Lifehacker magazine entitled the science of breaking out of your comfort zone and why you should. And that article defines our comfort zone as that behavioural space, routines and activities which we use to minimise stress and risk. But how open are we to moving outside of that zone? How willing are we to let go of the idols of being stress-free and risk-free in order to perhaps witness or partake in something even greater. The article outlines a whole host of good reasons and residual benefits for stepping outside of your comfort zone. Of course, the story of the missionary movement also gives another profoundly important reason 
to step out. In the opening chapter of the book of Acts, we find the disciples together with Jesus. He's revealed himself to them and he's given them many convincing proofs that he's alive. And then he gives them his now famous last words. Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, Jesus said to them, The Father is the only one who has the authority to decide dates and times. They are not for you to know. But the Holy Spirit will come on you and give you power. You will be my witnesses. You will tell people everywhere about me, in Jerusalem, in the rest of Judea, in Samaria, and in every part of the world. Jesus then ascends to heaven before their very eyes and they return to the upper room in Jerusalem. We read in verse 14 of Acts chapter 1, the apostles were all together. They were constantly praying with the same purpose. Some women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers were there with the apostles. And then in verse 15, after a few days, there was a meeting of the believers. There were about 120 of them. They've been told to stay in Jerusalem and to wait. For some of these followers, this instruction to stay and wait was a relief. It gave them permission to hide, to remain in their comfort zone. With an uncertain future, many of them would have been happy to sit tight. They've been instructed to wait for this gift of the Holy Spirit, the crucial component to the mission that they've been given. They pray, they elect a new disciple, and they remain just as Jesus has asked them to. They're frightened and they're alone. After all, there's the machine of the Jewish leadership and hierarchy that would stand against them in the coming days. In the following years and centuries, the crushing power of the Roman Empire would be brought against this small group of followers. If all of that wasn't hard enough, there's another issue. And that other issue was that the target of the ends of the earth kept changing. When Paul wrote to the church at Rome, he said that he hoped not only to come to Rome, but to be able to go to Spain. Going to Spain must have felt like the ends of the earth. Yet a number of centuries later, in the 6th century, after St. Patrick had gone back to take the gospel to Ireland, he writes that he thinks that Jesus can now return because the gospel has reached the ends of the earth. To him, Ireland felt like the ends of the earth. But then in the 15th and 16th centuries, as Portuguese and Spanish explorers headed out, the ends of the earth doubled in size. It kept growing and changing and expanding. All of this time, the gospel kept coming to the ends of the earth. But for this to happen, one thing had to occur. The followers of Jesus, the people and the disciples in that upper room or in Jerusalem had to get out of their zone of comfort and get into a place of trust. That was the only way that the gospel was going to get to the ends of the earth. It was true then and it's true now. We have to get out of our comfort zones and into a place of trust. I remember how 44 years ago I was working as a librarian. I was second in charge of the Mount Gravatt College of Advanced Education Library. And Lynn and I had a sense that God was calling me to the ministry. 
I was in a zone of comfort. I had a good job with a good salary, good prospects for promotion, a comfortable brand new house. We were well settled. But to answer God's call, I had to move into a place of trust. I took a 75% reduction in salary. I had the prospect of having to move out of our brand new house. I had the uncertainty of where the ministry might take us. We had to recognise that our future was in a place of trust, not in the zone of comfort. Again, 12 years ago, in our first year here in Kabulcha, Lynn's patchwork and sewing machine business went pear-shaped during the global financial crisis. We had to sell our house and move into a rental property in Grant Road. Lynn had no regular work and our financial future seemed uncertain. So again, we had to step into a place of trust. But in fact, if we hadn't trusted God on both of those occasions, and indeed on several other occasions, I wouldn't be here speaking to you right now. But these are minor, insignificant examples compared to the steps of the greats of the Christian faith. Jesus the Game Changer Season 2 has looked at a number of people who stepped out of their zones of comfort and into a place of trust in order to be able to take the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Let me just give you five quick examples from the series. Firstly, St Patrick, who was held as a slave in Ireland, ends up probably back in Wales. And then at the age of 40, he steps out of being at home in a zone of comfort in order to go and be a missionary in Ireland. That was a place of trust for him. Secondly, think about St Boniface. A couple of hundred years later, he was in a monastery in southwest England near Winchester. And he feels that God's calling him to go to Europe. So he leaves his comfortable monastery in England and goes to Europe as a missionary. He ends up at a church at Mainz in Germany, and he's doing a great job of running the church there. But guess what? At around the age of 60, he senses God's call to again become a missionary. He actually dies at the hands of bandits, aged 81, baptising people in the area we now call the Netherlands. He died in a place of trust in God's. Thirdly, Francis Xavier. We move forward to the 16th century. With just two days' notice, Francis Xavier gets on a boat to go essentially to India and China, halfway across the world, a dangerous six-month journey to take the message of Jesus to Southeast Asia. He went from a zone of comfort into a place of trust. In the 19th century, there was Hudson Taylor, He leaves England as a doctor and goes to China. But not only does he go to China, he leaves the safe treaty ports on the coast to go to inland China, out of the zone of comfort and into the place of trust. And in the 20th century, we saw a Japanese Bible translator, Takashi Fukuda, who leaves Tokyo, Japan, to become the first non-Western Wycliffe Bible translator to be sent to the ends of the earth. He goes to the Philippines with his very young family to translate the Bible and to bring the gospel to a tribal group of people in their own language. He goes from a zone of comfort 
and into a place of trust. So what does that say to us about continuing to take the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth? Well, there's a number of things that I want to say, and the first thing is this. Mission is now from everywhere to everywhere. The 19th century was a remarkable time of expansion of taking the gospel across the globe. Mark Knoll comments on the expansion of mission in the 19th century. I quote, Missionary historian Kenneth Scott called the 19th century a great century because the world population of Christians had gone from about 20% of the world to about 30% of the world, end quote. One of the things that the church assumed as we moved into the 20th century was that things would be the same. At the Edinburgh World Missions Conference in 1910, they assumed that what happened in the 19th century would continue on in the 20th century. That's actually known as status quo bias. This is the concept that what's been happening will continue to happen. So here we are today in the middle of the coronavirus global pandemic. And right now, people are making incredible predictions about what's going to happen. But one of the things that we need to understand about predictions is that while most of them are clear and most of them are confident, most of them will be wrong. The book Future Babel by Dan Gardner was released in 2010. In that book, Gardner talks about this problem of status quo bias and how predictions are often wrong. So, for example, in 1984, The Economist newspaper did a piece of research where they got four different groups of people to make predictions about what would happen in the following 10 years. The predictions were on things like growth rates, inflation rates, exchange rates, all those sorts of things. And the groups that they chose were former finance ministers, the chairman of international corporations, economic students at Oxford University, and the fourth group was London Garbos. Ten years later, the newspaper looked at the outcomes from the predictions from 1984. And you know what happened? The Garbos tied with the corporate chairman for first place, and the finance ministers came last. If you want to know about the future, perhaps you need to talk to the London Garbos. So many of the predictions about what will happen as a result of the coronavirus will be wrong. Where we need to be is in a place of trust, recognising that the way of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth will change. The way that we present the gospel will change with respect to crossing the cultural divide, as we considered last week. What changed in the 20th century was the face of the church and the face of mission. Ed Stetzer talks about the Edinburgh World Missions Conference in 1910 and what's happened since. I quote, he says, So to the gathered, there were very few people from the rest of the world. The most of the world were there. So it was basically an evangelization project from the West to the rest. Well, he says today, come to a global summit about global missions and it's dominated by the global South. And thank God for it, 
because we can learn from our brothers and sisters from Africa and South America and Asia and more. But that didn't happen back then. So if you look at a chart from 1910 to 2010, the percentage of Christians in the world, it used to be that they were in the West and the North. Now they're in the South and diversified, really. But global Christianity is headquartered actually probably somewhere in the West of Africa. End quote. In the 20th century, one of the three major shifts is that the West now needs to be re-evangelised. The countries that actually dominated the 1910 Missions Conference, the places that were sending out missionaries then, are now in need of mission. The West needs to be re-evangelised. The social changes of the 1960s, 70s and 80s meant that people shifted away from faith. Faith went from being something that was central to being something that's considered dangerous within the community. Kim Kosicki comments on bringing the gospel back to the West. I quote, Sometimes we believe that the true missionary activity is not to find people who've never heard of Christ, but to go to the places where people have known and forgotten or have no use for the gospel. And often that's even in our own neighbourhoods or back in our own communities, end quote. Thirdly, we see that the biggest change in the 20th century is that the ends of the earth is actually across the street. If you've travelled, if you've been to any major city anywhere in the world, you'll know that the globe is now in the major cities. The ends of the earth is across the street. In episode 13 of Jesus the Game Changer Season 2, Carl Fays goes to Battery Park in New York. He stands next to the immigrant's sculpture there and he makes the comment that New York is the most linguistically diverse place in the whole world. 800 different languages are spoken in the city of New York. The world has come to the major cities. Jamie Taylor makes this observation, and I quote, The traditional paradigm of missions being out there somewhere needs to be broken down, and we need to realise that actually missions begins on our very doorstep, which is actually very exciting because we can mobilise the whole church. I mean, back in Hudson Taylor's day, it was only the few that could go to China. Whereas now, he says, God has brought China to England, so everybody can actually be involved in missions right on our very doorstep. End quote. So where are the ends of the earth today? The church is actually global. Geographically, it's global. Ethnically, it's global. So we're asking the question, where do we go to take the gospel to the ends of the earth? Well, the ends of the earth is across the cultural divide. In all of our communities, we need to cross the cultural divide in order to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We talk about our world being a global village, and that's very true. Today, we're very aware in Western nations of what's happening all over the globe. But what's intriguing is this. 
While the globe is becoming a village, a smaller place, where we're all interconnected, the globe is also becoming more tribalised. In our communities, in our cities, in our major towns, people are tribalised into small groups. Those tribalised groups are around similar areas of thought. And social media is playing into this. Your social media feed and my social media feed and the social media feed of the people across the street is very different. And that's firstly because we follow different people or we're friends with different people. But there is also another reason. Major social media platforms have algorithms that work out what you and I want to watch. So what they do is this. They send to our social media feeds exactly what we want to hear, what we want to read, what we want to watch. This means that increasingly we're in little bubbles, little bubbles of information, the information that's fed to us. Just think about that. It means that in a global village, smaller groups are becoming tribalised and disconnected from those around us in a very interesting way. We actually have a bubble of information that only we accept. And that of itself is a cultural divide. In that bubble where we're tribalised and disconnected and it's contentious, we need to bring the gospel message into that space. We need to cross the cultural divide. The bizarre thing is that we might actually be more easily connected with people in Berlin or Singapore or Johannesburg than with people in the very next block. But the ends of the earth is also across the table. God has no grandchildren in the sense that each one of us has to make our own decision to follow Jesus. Each generation has to make its own choice to follow Jesus. Our children don't become Christians by virtue of the fact that we are Christians. They have to make their own choice. So we need to be careful that in being committed to take the gospel across the globe, we don't miss taking the gospel across the table. We need to be committed to our children and our grandchildren and our families and the people we, that we love most, that they hear the gospel and that they respond to Jesus personally. Chris Lowney comments on taking the gospel across the table, and I quote, the ends of the earth for most people is right across the kitchen table. How are we going to speak our message to these populations that just don't want to know because they're raised in a very different culture? And to me, that's going to be the challenge of our time, he says. End quote. We also need to recognise that the ends of the earth is in the hard places. One of the hard places in the West is universities, in particular their social science departments. When we looked at the persecuted church a couple of weeks ago, we saw that Open Doors puts out a list of the countries most impacted by persecution and opposition. And it's hard to compare the physical persecution of some of those countries with the opposition that some people face in our universities. Yet we need to recognise that universities are one of the places where we need to take the gospel. And it isn't an easy place. 
There's a lot of opposition in the bubble of Western universities and academia, especially, as I said, in the social science departments. This is a place where people are pushed aside, where views are not heard. There are universities where people are being deplatformed. Subjects like faith, religion and Christianity in particular are difficult to talk about in our universities. Robert Woodbury talked about his research into the positive impact of the missionary movement, but he says that his research findings were not easily accepted. There were those who were opposed to what he sought to show through his research. Now, it wasn't opposition on the basis of his academic credentials. It was opposition based on the outcomes of what he was saying. He reflects on the challenge of taking the gospel into the hard places where he works, and I quote, he says, For me personally, if what Jesus says is true and what the scriptures say about Jesus is true, it changes everything. Because it means that there is a God who cares enough about me and about everyone that he was willing to die. It means that at the heart of the universe is love. It also means that the universe isn't about me. So whether something good or bad happens to me, it doesn't really matter that much. My job is to love, and my job is to do the best work that I can do on something that I wouldn't do that someone else wouldn't. And then he says, I have to let the results be in God's hands, end quote. Then lastly, the ends of the earth is where people still haven't heard the gospel. In our reading from the book of Revelation, the Apostle John gives a picture of the nations of the earth stretched out before God. It's the final culmination of history. And he says in verse 9, Then I looked and there was a large crowd of people. There were so many people that no one could count them all. They were from every nation, tribe, race of people and language of the earth. They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. In this final time, every nation and language and tribe will be represented. But they aren't all there yet. So some of you will be called to go not just across the road or to the hard places in the West. You'll be called to go to the ends of the earth. Some of you will be called to go to those tribes that haven't yet heard, to people in those geographically hard places that haven't yet heard the message of Jesus. That's still part of taking the gospel message to the very ends of the earth. So over the last six weeks, we've seen ordinary people who made Jesus' last words their first priority. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They stepped out of their comfort zone into a place of trust. They devoted themselves to God. They had faith and they endured opposition. What about us? We're called by Jesus' last words to go to the ends of the earth. Where are your ends of the earth? Who's God calling you to go to? Are you open to going? Are you willing to count the cost? Will you trust God for the results? Will you make Jesus' last words your first priority? Let's pray. 
Father God, we thank you for Jesus' last words, last words that say that we are to go to the ends of the earth and make disciples and teach them everything that you've commanded. Well, God, it's very easy to sit in our comfortable armchairs, in our comfortable comfort zones and feel, why should I move from here? And yet, Lord, you're calling each and every one of us to move out of our comfort zones, to be ready and willing to pay the price if necessary, to overcome, to overcome our inertia and indeed to step out. Maybe it's to cross the cultural divide to another group of people in our own community. Maybe it's to cross the street to people from another nationality who've moved into our area. Maybe it's to uh, witness across the table to our children or our grandchildren or, or our extended family. Maybe it's that you want us to go to some other part of the world where the gospel hasn't yet been taken because, indeed, Lord, your command is to go to the ends of the earth, wherever those ends may be, as you should lead us. Help us to hear your call. Help us to obey and help us to step out of our comfort zones, we pray. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.